This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week to SETN Preps. Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison, glad to be hanging out with you as we talk high school football. Week one, round one of the playoffs is in the books. We've got a handful of teams that are still standing out there. Let's see who is left. I've got. Uh, wait a minute. Let me uh, let me get there. I'm going to tell you. I've got them here. South Pittsburgh still left. Meigs County, Bledsoe County, Marion County, Red Bank, and Brainerd. Unfortunately, they're going to play in round two. East Hamilton, Walker Valley, Ray County, McMinn County, Bradley Central, Chattanooga Christian, Macaulay, and Baylor. We've got 14 schools that are still left that we'll be talking about later on this week when our second podcast drops on Thursday where we'll be previewing some of those matchups in uh, week two of the high school football playoffs. So, Chandler, if you're ready, sir, before we get to the previews, we do need to, uh, you know, a little news and notes here, uh, a little shocking story that broke uh, over the weekend. Wayne Turner forced out as the, the head coach at Tyner. We're going to have Stephen Hargis of the Times Free Press join us uh, coming up here before the end of the, uh, before the, the, end of the program. Uh, to talk a little bit about this with Stephen, but a really good head coach for a really long time and a guy, Chandler, that has done a lot for that program at Tyner far, far beyond just coaching football and, and coaching wrestling there. I mean, he is – you talk about a guy that has gone above and beyond for years for the kids at Tyner. Um, that's Wayne Turner. Shocking. Um, wrong. I mean, there's a lot of words that I could use to, to kind of describe what uh, what has happened or, or how I feel about the way Coach Turner was done. For a guy that has done so much for that school, um, he deserved a better fate than what he got. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about this, Chris, is when you take a step back, usually when you have a coach firing or a coach that's forced to resign, it, it usually just goes one way. Who is that school going to pick next? Not where is that coach going next? Wayne Turner is so accomplished and so respected, especially in the Chattanooga area and probably all across the state, that it now becomes a twofold story where now you have to look at where is Tyner going next, where is Turner going next. And that's kind of what we'll talk about here later in the podcast. But I think that's the most interesting. You usually don't have a, a coach resigning or coach firing that ends like that unless the coach is already going somewhere else. It you never really had this kind of story, Chris. I think that's what's interesting about this one is that it's kind of got that two sides to it that we kind of have to look at. This is SETN Preps. You can find us on Twitter at SETN Preps. Uh, like us on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you're on, uh, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you give us a five star rating. We would appreciate it. Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Anchor.fm. You can leave us a message there. By the way. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube and Instagram and our website, setnpreps.com. All right, Chandler, if you're ready, let's go ahead and hop into it for this week. Let's take a look at uh, a little bit of a review for last week in round one of the playoffs. Let's start with Walker Valley and Powell. This was a, a great win for Walker Valley, just their second ever playoff win, their first ever at home. 
And this now equals their deepest playoff run in school history. You know, we talked about this on our preview show last week about how uh, prior to or coming into this year, Lookout Valley had only, or Walker Valley rather, had only won one playoff game. And then they lost to Ottawa in round two that year. They get the win over Powell. They had to come from behind to do it. And now they're going to advance in the playoffs for only the second time in school history. Shout out to Walker Valley's defense. They have been fantastic. We've talked about Tucker Pope on this podcast off and on over the course of the year. They're outstanding quarterback at Walker Valley. But how about their defense forcing five turnovers in this game, including three interceptions? Walker Valley's going to face Knox West Friday. Knox West 10-1 and on the year. They beat Lenore City 65-20 to in round one of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and Chris, it's not really surprising that Walker Valley won this game because you thought they had the potential to do it. But, I mean, to come out and do what they did, you know, like you said, Powell had a lot of turnovers. You can't have that in the playoffs. Uh, if there's one thing that can end a playoff run more prematurely than a COVID, it's probably turnovers, Chris. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good way to put it, too, if uh, – you know, if yeah, you're, you, this time of year, man, turnovers will do you in, and clearly, COVID nineteen can do, do your season in too. We've seen, uh, we've seen. There's plenty of examples of both of those in our area and across the state. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and you know, Chris, I'm going to talk about this for a second, and we'll talk about this Ray County game here in a minute, I'm sure. But to me, I, last week or our last episode, I said that. You know, Ray County, Walker Valley, they could be in the quarterfinals playing each other again. I still think that's possible, Chris, although I don't think Walker Valley has proven to me that they can't. I think it's more Ray County. Uh, you know, Walker Valley kind of got a uh, – and this is this is sh- this is is something that, that for Walker Valley is kind of surprising for a lot of people. Excuse me, hold on a second. It's kind of surprising for a lot of people in the sense that Powell shouldn't have been their opponent in the first round. It should have been Oak Ridge. It was, by all means and measures, you know, it was set to be Knox West and Powell on the other side of that bracket, Chris. And then you turn around, and Oak Ridge gets a win late in the season, kind of a one-point win. I mean, Powell, you know, Walker Valley is a one-point one one point away from having to play Oak Ridge here in the playoffs, and I don't know how that one would have turned out. I don't know who the better team is, but, Knox, uh, but Powell was the one that was destined kind of to be in that two-seed. They ended up being the three-seed playing Walker Valley. So this is a tougher matchup than what we'll say. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's Powell's a three seed. Then they have to go play Knox West this week. Uh, good luck. But really, Powell should have been the two seed, and they are up to par with being the two seed. And really, you know, they played a pretty close game with Knox West as well. Um, it's it's going to be tough for Walker Valley. I think it's going to be a tougher road, and they, they're the two seed, so of course it's going to be a tougher road, Chris. But it's going to be a, it's been a tougher road because they basically have the two best teams out of that region right out of the gate, and then Ray County has to go somewhere else with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Walker Valley handed hand it to him. That defense out there doing a great job. I believe Taylor Harvey out there is doing helping with the defense out there if he's not the defense coordinator. He's doing one or the other. Uh, shout out to the Squatcher County alum. Uh, but uh, he's doing a great job out there with that defense. And, golly, I, I, it just feels like Walker Valley is getting ready to make one of those uh, runs of destiny like we, we see sometimes in college football where teams just, just get on a run. And, you know, maybe third or four weeks of the season you can't see it. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of that season, you can see the greatness just come alive and, and things just start falling their way. I think that's going to be Walker Valley this year because things had to fall their way in this game just for them to get that win. 
Let's go with East Hamilton and Sullivan South next. East Hamilton, a 56-20 winner. East Hamilton, they didn't finish the regular season the way they wanted, uh, but they played Friday night like a team that's ready to make a deep playoff run. What East Hamilton did was get out to a lead early and force Sullivan South out of what they want to do. They are not a team that wants to throw the ball. They're not a team, frankly, that plays well when they have to play from behind. East Hamilton took them out of it, uh, forced them into a situation where they had to throw the ball, and then they took advantage of it. Haynes Eller, East Hamilton's quarterback, 23-29 passing, 324 yards and four touchdowns. And look, give East Hamilton, Grant Reynolds, that coaching staff a lot of credit because, man, they used everything they had to win this game. Four onside kicks, a fake punt, and a double reverse. Uh, but they won 56-20 to over Sullivan South. Tough draw for uh, East Hamilton now. They've got to travel to Elizabethton, the top-ranked 4A team in the state and the team that won the state championship 11 months ago. Yeah, and Chris, on the other side of that, if they even get past Elizabeth, then they've got Greenville, and uh, I believe it's Greenville and Anderson County to worry about. So, um, you know, I, I think they had a great win. I think Sullivan South was kind of one of those games that it, – it's kind of one of those momentum games in the sense that last year you couldn't beat this team. This year, you, you for a lack of a better term, you blow them out. I think it's one of those where you really get momentum and you really see where you are compared to last year. And sometimes you go through the year and you have similar scores and things happen and then some bad things happen. And you think, man, am I even am I better than I was last year? And then all of a sudden you have this kind of win. It's like, yeah, we do have that confidence and it helps you going forward in the playoffs. And that's really, excuse me, what this win did for East Hamilton. Uh, you know, with the bad second half of the season, you know, in those games that they lost and then heading into this, I think it's going to really help them going forward if they have a, if it, to, to give them a chance to play and, and play up against uh, Elizabethan and whoever else they might have to do if they could beat Elizabethan. But I think that's what this game really did for them. Ray County and Fulton on Friday night. This was a good win for Ray County. Uh, right now, their defense is really carrying them. They've got to get this offense going. They are struggling on offense right now at Ray County. They had five turnovers week 11 versus Marion County. They had four turnovers in this one against Fulton. You get to this stage of the playoffs. Turnovers, as you just said earlier, Chandler, they can cost you. Ray's already saw it cost them a game against Marion County. And in the playoffs, it can it can end your season. And they've got Oak Ridge this Friday night who beat up on Soddy Daisy Friday night. You go make four turnovers against Oak Ridge, you're not going to win that game. Yeah, and, and Chris, this was a 0-0 game going into halftime. Ray County's got to figure out how not only to get that offense rolling, but to get it rolling earlier. Because I think a lot of times when you get a a running offense like they have that's based mostly around the run and, and you know, what they do with the run and the ground and pound, and that's, that's Ray County to a T, you know, if you're based around that, Chris, you've got to start scoring early. Because if you don't, if you don't, it's gonna you're gonna get late into games and things are gonna happen and you're not gonna be able to make up the score because you're taking you know you, you're not used to having to do the hurry up and all that. But if you get ahead early, Chris, here's the kicker: then you can run the clock out, and that's what every game, every team that runs that's their that's their mo is let's get up by two or three touchdowns and start running the clock out and let our defense hold us. And that's what Ray County kind of had to do in the second half here. 
I said I said in our last episode, or maybe even last, or, yeah, our last episode, we talked about that Marion County game that it's gonna it's gonna affect Ray County. Like, it's, you don't lose to a two A team for the first time in since two thousand two, and the first public school team that's in two A's in, in forever, and actually since you started your program, it seems like you don't do that, Chris, and and not have some kind of effect on your program at least for a, a half at least. And I think that's what we saw was they kind of had to get back in a groove and figure out okay. Who are we? We're Ray County. We play football. Let's get back into this. You know, I think it's the second time this season they've gone to halftime with a 0-0 score. They've got to figure out how to get this offense rolling and offense rolling early. And, Chris, they are lucky to have the opponent they did. I think if they had any other opponent in that pod that they were in, it probably could have spelled disaster for them because they. I don't think they were ready to play football this past Friday night. And the competition's all going to get tougher from here. Well, I love it any time any of our local teams beat a team from the Knoxville area. I don't know why. There's just a certain satisfaction in it. Ray County did it, and Bradley Central did it. Bradley Central beat Farragut 17-14. It's the first time that Bradley Central has won a playoff game in three years. And, look, they got a guy in Javon Burke who's a big-time athlete, and they gave him the ball. 33 carries, 225 yards, and a touchdown Friday night. They rode Javon Burke to a win over Farragut. Now, Bradley Central, nice win. Now here comes Maryville. They got to go back up I-75 now and beat another team from the Knoxville uh, area. And Good luck to them. Uh, I, you know, you've seen... And we'll talk more about this game probably coming up later on in the week, I guess. But, you know, you've already seen Maryville once. Um, how much of an advantage is it when you can see him again and, and get this second second look at him in the playoffs? We'll find out Friday night. You know, the analytics don't shake out that way, Chris, unless you're in Mean County and held under 30. But uh, I, I do think that when you see a team twice, it does help. I wonder how much it will help Bradley Central. This game was one that was just so tight, and me and John were sitting over here at the makeshift studio we have over here and uh, a Friday night and trying to get all these scores that Friday night, and that was one that we were kind of sitting there on the edge of our seat because we were like, man, who is going to win this game? Because it, just, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. It was so long in between scores because it's a low-scoring game, Chris. It was just like, uh, the tension was just in the air, and Bradley Central came out with it, and we were both kind of a little shocked because Bradley Central doesn't – Exactly. Excuse me. Have the 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 record of of winning playoff games in the first round, and and, and a lot of it has to do with being in six A and being those situations. That's right. Uh, you know, and and Chris, I'm going to tell you something. It's only going to get tougher for Bradley Central, not just in the playoffs, but next year, because then they lose a lot of their Chattanooga area teams that they kind of had the upper hand on down to the lower, like Udawa and that. And now they're up with the big boys. They're going to have to play a lot more than Knoxville area teams. Uh, they're not going to play as many games uh, close in Chattanooga as they had this year. So it's only going to get tougher for them as they, they move along. So uh, I, I don't know what they'll do this week. I know that they beat Farragut, and that's always good to see a Chattanooga area team and a Knoxville area team. That's all I'll say about that, Chris. Brainerd and Smith County, they had to go into overtime, but Brainerd did it. It's a great win for Brainerd. First playoff win for Brainerd since 2009. Now they get a game against Red Bank. Remember, this game wasn't played a few weeks ago.
because of COVID, this is going to be a good game because Brainerd has athletes. Now, they've got a bunch of guys that can run. So does Red Bank. The question is, do they have the offensive and defensive lines that can hang with Red Bank? Because, again, Chandler, that's where Red Bank beats people. I mean, people, you know, Lemire Strickland and all these guys, they get all the attention for scoring the touchdowns, but how Red Bank beats people is with a really dominant defensive line with a couple of really good defensive ends and a couple of stout tackles. And then on the other side of the ball, it's that offensive line. You know, they got B.J. Raglan. He's going to, you know, he's a D1 commitment uh, playing on that offensive line. And they got other guys there that are, they may not all be D1 guys, but they're all really good high school football players. And they just lean on you and pound on you all night. And eventually they beat you down. And that, that's how Red Bank beats people. So I think Brainerd can match up with them skill-wise. I just don't know if Brainerd and that offensive and defensive lines they have, if they're going to be able to hang with Red Bank. That's my question about Brainerd going forward in this. Again, I love the win over Smith County, whether they do it in regulation or overtime or whatever. A good win is a good win, and beating Smith County is a good win for Brainerd. But I got questions about them going forward now. Yeah, I have questions about Brainerd too. But Chris, one thing that really that we got I got from this game was that Tyrus Ward is not going to be afraid to be aggressive, especially in the playoffs. Because here's the thing about Brainerd: no one, you know, by the seedings they aren't they weren't expected to go to the second round. So now from you know now you know ever since the first round, like we talked about, like like we saw on Friday. They're going to be aggressive, and I think that's what's going to be different about them than other teams. A lot of teams try to play a conservative in the playoffs. You're trying to just get a win. You're trying to just – you'd rather – a lot of teams would just rather go to go to overtime than go to the next overtime, go to the next overtime. Brainerd, they were like, you know what? Let's just go over and uh, let's win this thing. That's what really got me was I think that they're going to be aggressive, and I don't know if it will pay off for them down the road, Chris. I don't, but – what I really like to see is teams getting aggressive, especially late in the season. Those teams tend to be more successful in close situations. Now, that being said, they've got to hang on and take Red Bank to the fourth quarter before they start being aggressive. But I think that they are going to be aggressive. I think that's what's going to be the difference between them and a lot of the other teams they're going to face. Uh, as we know, 3A, you got to go through Alcoa eventually. But uh, right now they got to focus, focus on Red Bank, get them to the fourth quarter, I think their goal in this postseason should just be to get every team they play to the fourth quarter. If they can get them to the fourth quarter, I think that Brainerd can be aggressive enough to win those ballgames. Chattanooga Christian and Knox Grace. CCS is headed to the quarterfinals. They're going to face Christ Presbyterian Academy this week. CCS, 45 carries, 45 rushing attempts, 543 yards rushing in a win over Knox Grace. Jamichael Baxter. Ran for 246 yards. Tink Scott ran for 232 yards. And those two guys uh, combined to score eight touchdowns in this game. And 479 yards rushing between the two of them. Uh, It's pretty amazing. I mean, that is a machine offensively at CCS. And a good win. Again, Chandler, I've said it already today. Anytime you can beat a team from Knoxville... It's a good night. And I really think CCS, I think they've got a good chance to keep going. I, th- I think CCS can, I think they can beat Christ Presbyterian Academy later this week. Chris, didn't you say that you had doubts about them getting past the first round? Sure did. 
man, you jumped on that bandwagon awful fast. Anyways. Thanks for uh, you. Uh, thanks to you for remembering that and pointing it out, too, by the way. <laughs> hey, just try to keep the – But I will – hey, I just want to say I was correct. I said that South Pittsburgh would be the only 1A team that would win and I was correct about that. The rest of our 1A teams lost. South Pittsburgh was the only one that uh, that won. So, um, well, well, Chris, here's the thing. I, I've I pretty much said that too. And if that was a a bet where money was involved, you would have lost money on that bet, even if you ever got it right. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those. That, that's it's like modest, you know. So, you have you got anything to add about CCS or not? <laughs> You know, me and John were sitting there at the makeshift studio on Friday night, and, and, and a lot of, you know, Division Two is really weird in the sense that sometimes it's it's like a tire fire, sometimes it's like a track meet, and Friday night was like a track meet. We were literally tweeting out the scores. I was, as fast as I could tweet out the score I was getting from the CCS Knox Grace game, another score was popping up. I think there was a point where I had two scores that happened before I could even type it out. Now, maybe I have slow fingers, but I, I know that they have really, really fast offenses is what I can tell you. Uh, I think CCS has to really focus on their defense, though. I think uh, Knox Grace is going to put up a lot of points. Division II AA teams are going to put up a lot of points, Chris. You have got to be able because, I mean, the focus in really Division II AA is kind of more on the offense than it is the defense. And I think the teams that have a good offense in, the, in, in, those, in, those, in those playoffs right there, in those brackets, they tend to be the ones that are more successful because they can start to stop what they have. I don't know who's stopping CCS. I want to see who can stop CCS. I think they uh, they end up with, uh, I believe it's CPA in the next round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Chris. it's Crash I'm, Presbyterian. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and that's the number two seed from the from the middle division there. Uh, you know, I don't know who can stop them. All I know is I think they're going to be underrated and undervalued uh, because they had a pretty good lead in this game in Knoxville Grace. I think they were up like 40-something to 14, and Knoxville Grace just started to roll back and scored like three or four touchdowns there in the fourth quarter, I believe, so. I mean, it wasn't like it was a track meet all the way, but there in the second half, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, Chattanooga Christian happened to win the track meet uh, by by more than a nose, I'll say that. But, but yeah, I think I think what we learned about CCS is they got to focus more on their defense. If they don't, I think it could be an early out for them because I think there are offenses in Division II AA that can outscore them and, and, and buy a lot. It's time for our Friday night reveals where Chandler and I Revealed to you what was revealed to us on Friday night, Chandler. I will. Uh, I will go first. A couple things for me this week. Um, one of which is kind of what we've already mentioned: the fact that you know I feel like um, kind of thought going into the week, South Pittsburgh would be the only one A program to advance. I still feel like South Pittsburgh is the best uh, chance that we have at winning a state championship this year. One other thing I want to throw out there is our 2A programs in our area are really good. I mean, we've got really good 2A programs in Meigs County, Bledsoe County, and Marion County. All three of them are really, really good. And the other thing that was revealed to me is that if Grant Reynolds and East Hamilton if they're going to attempt four onside kicks and and run the you know, a double reverse and and a fake punt in round one, what is he going to do? What is he going to pull out? I mean, are they going to run the fumble ruski in round two? Statue of Liberty. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you got to have listen. You've put all that on film now. Yeah. You, you've put all that on film. 
against Sullivan South. So everybody's got the film, four onside kicks, a fake punt, a double reverse. I mean, you got the fumble ruski and a uh, – uh, what? You got the, the fumble ruski, maybe a, uh, some sort of halfback option pass, uh, a Statue of Liberty play, and uh, gosh, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you pull off here in uh, in, in round two because – uh, they uh, seems like they emptied the playbook in uh, in week one, but good for them. Hey, it worked. They won the game, right? Yeah, I want to know how close that game was when they had to do four onside kicks because <laughs> I don't think that game was really all. I mean, it was probably decently close. It wasn't all that close. I guess they were trying to get maybe maybe they were trying to get the, the scout savings to practice in case. I don't know, Chris. I, I, now I can see like the onside kick. You know, I can see you trying to do that multiple times because you can do it multiple ways and then teams still can't figure out how you're going to do it, you know, on film. Because a lot of times teams don't even – I mean, good coaches will look at that and be prepared for it. But you got one week to prepare for somebody. Sometimes you just have to skip over things to get the basic stuff in, to get the big stuff in. A lot of times coaches – the good coaches plan for 100% of the plays. The You know, great coaches do. Good coaches, you know, prepare for – 95% of the plays, but that 5% is what gets you when it comes down to playoff time. Uh, Chris, my big one for this week is, uh, and I just have one, is that Chattanooga area teams are no longer digging graves in Knoxville, at least in the first round. Um, they are starting to beat them. They are starting to get wins there. They are starting to compete there. And who knows, Men County might be able to get, go up against the top dog. Walker Valley might be able to go up against the top dog. Ray County's probably going to have a shot at the top dog out there in, in Knoxville. And uh, to me, uh, our area teams have all have kind of in the past, since we started this podcast, Chris, they've always went to Knoxville to die. Really, this year, I think we're seeing kind of that trend being bucked. And maybe not everybody, Chris, but it seems like our Chattanooga area teams, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Since we've talked about this, Chris, by the way, our area teams and the bigger classifications have kind of proven us not wrong, but proving that they can they can make runs. You know, we kind of talked about how nobody in our area had had been to a playoff game or had gone to the state championship, it, you know, below three A since Red Bank in two thousand. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody's going to do that this year, Chris, but it's looking very very optimistic, especially when you consider teams like Min County are moving down, and Min County, you know, if they can keep what they've got rolling next year, they could be right there in the mix for the five A playoffs, Chris and. I'm just saying our, our Terry teams are not going to sit sit around and be, you know, they're not going to dig the graves anymore. You're going to have to throw them in there. They're not going to jump in anymore. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I, I feel like our Chattanooga teams had some success against Knoxville Friday night. So, hopefully, hopefully they can keep that going and we can get another round of wins in the books. And, uh, unfortunately, we do have – a matchup on Friday night that pits two of our local teams against each other in, in Red Bank and Brainerd. And I hate that because that means we're going to definitely lose at least one of those two uh, from our local teams. And so while I hate that, um, again, I'm, I'm excited both of those teams uh, were able to get a win on, on Friday night. Coming up later in the week, make sure you're with us. It's Thursday. That's when it drops. Chandler and I will have our round two of the playoff preview. We'll do that again coming up on Thursday of this week. Now, we let off our podcast this week talking about the news of Wayne Turner uh, being forced to step down as the head coach at Tyner. Stephen Hargis is the sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free, Free Press, and he will join us next, and we'll talk a little bit about Wayne Turner 
no longer the head coach of the Niner Rams. Stephen Hargis is the uh, sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, and he joins us this week as we uh, talk a little bit about uh, round one of the playoffs and also some some breaking news that Stephen had over the weekend, the resignation of Coach Wayne Turner at Tyner after 30 years on the job. Stephen, if you would have told me a couple of months ago, hey, Wayne Turner will retire at the end of this year, I could have been like, okay, I could see that. But I just can't see Wayne Turner being forced out at Tyner. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that was the shocker for a lot of folks, just the way it happened, the, the manner in which everything kind of went down. Uh, you know, he he had talked about after last year that he had he had thought about um, whether or not that he wanted you know this to, to be his last year, or even if last season uh, how much he had left in the tank. Well, then COVID hit and. You know, back in the spring, he said, I feel good. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of revitalized, recharged, ready for another season. Um, he said, plus, I don't really want to leave the program having to do a coaching search during the, a, a pandemic. So, you know, came back, and, and you knew it was a possibility. Um, but really just, you know, when when he was not, in in his words, he was not given the, the choice of saying, uh, do you want to come back or not? Or do you want to take some time and think about it? He was kind of told, uh, you know, this, this is we're, we're going to make a decision to move in a different direction and, and start looking for another coach. So, you know, you need to start preparing to tell your team. And, you know, that's what really I, I think didn't sit well with a lot of his former players, a lot of people in the entire community, a lot of people in, in the high school football community in our area in the state was just the manner in which it happened that, you know, you've, you've done something for, you know, 30 years at, at, at that program. And really he's the reason – Tyner's football program got put on the map, uh, and, and more than 40 years overall as a coach, he's just earned so much respect that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just felt like he had earned the right to be able to, to, to make his own decision as far as the timing of it. Uh, any word from the school in terms of, you know, was it the principal? I, I know, obviously, he he was the one you had a quote from in the paper, but is he the one that made the decision, or did this come from someplace else? No, it, it was Gerald Harris is the principal, and, and I've spoken to Gerald even after that. And, and Gerald says, and here's the weird thing. So it gets to be kind of a he said, he said. Gerald said that he and Wayne had actually talked about this previously, um, that this was probably going to be his last season and, you know, wanted Wayne to be a part of, you know, talking about who was going to replace him and that kind of thing. So he said he was stunned when, you know, all this kind of went down Friday after they lost to Trousdale. Um Wayne was talking with his team, and, and uh, Gerald came into the locker room and was standing in the back of the locker room. And I think Wayne, you know, said he, he kind of felt like that Gerald came into the locker room, which which he normally doesn't, as kind of a reminder that hey, don't, you, don't you have something else to tell the kids? And so Wayne just kind of told, you know, went ahead and told the kids, hey, this is not my decision, but I've been told this is the last season I'll be your coach. Well, you know, emotions are already high. It's the end of the season. Emotions are already high, and it, it got. You know, even even more emotional after that, and, and you know, Gerald said for his part that he was kind of surprised that that uh, uh, you know, in his words, he he felt like he was kind of thrown under the bus there. That he he was surprised that, that Wayne did that, and Wayne, for his part, said that he felt pressured to do it. So, 
you know, whether the, the actual, uh, you know, what actually happened lies probably somewhere in between. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, that's just kind of what both sides have said. But, you know, that was as, as angry as Saturday night was as angry as I've heard Wayne Turner uh, about anything. You know, he, he can get angry with a referee over a perceived blown call or, you know, bad call or something like that. But would always, you know, settle down and, and we probably had a 45 minute conversation and, and he was emotional throughout the entire thing. Where does he go next? I, I, because look, he is so, as you said, so well respected, especially in this area that if, if Wayne Turner wants to coach somewhere, I think there's a, there's a lot of schools. I think there's a lot of sitting head coaches right now that would go, man, I'd love to have that guy and what he brings on my staff if he's willing to do it. Has Coach mm-hmm. Turner given any thought to what his next step may be? He said Saturday, uh, Saturday night, he said that he still wants to coach. Um, whether that's as a head coach somewhere, it would have to be the right fit for him, uh, or as an assistant coach. And I, I think he's probably, after after this, and for as long as he's done it, he's probably leaning more toward being an assistant, you know, where you don't have to put up with as much um as you as you do as a as a head coach, you know you have all the you know you're dealing with parents, the boosters, um, you know pretty much everything. If you're an assistant coach, you just work with the kids and go home after practice. So I, I would I would think he's leaning more toward after talking with him more toward being an assistant coach. And I know that within ten minutes of of the news breaking on Twitter, I had a coach uh, from from the Hamlin County area call me and, and ask for Wayne's home number and said, I'm going to call him. And if he's willing to come join our staff this week, um, he can, he can have a job. So Wayne's going to have no shortage of people yeah. reaching out to him and just, and another today, um, a private school today called and said the same thing. I just want to you know put a feeler out there and say, Hey, if you want to be an assistant coach, we have a spot for you right now. Steven, you know, the stories, uh, and, and you know, them probably better than anybody else in our area. Wayne Turner's been one of those guys who, while he is, obviously, he's been a very successful head coach, but what he has done for those kids at Tyner over the years goes above and beyond just being a teacher and a coach. I I talked to him in a Tyner basketball game. Last time I talked to him, two years ago at a Tyner basketball game, and while he and I were sitting there talking, he had no fewer than, I don't know, five kids. Some were current some were past but they all come up and it was nothing but respect towards him and just hey coach let me tell you about this hey coach mm-hmm. guess what hey coach i made a 90 on my on my biology quiz that kind of stuff hey coach you know a kid that had had gone to school there had played for him had left and was going to you know, going to Chattanooga State comes up and, and starts telling Coach Turner about this, you know, how his semester was going at Chattanooga State. I mean, he was so much more than just a coach to so many kids for so long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was the thing. As news was, was coming out about it all day Saturday, we I, I kind of held off on writing it until I actually got to talk to Wayne. And he was visiting his brother. Doesn't have, and this is how old school Wayne is. He does not have a cell phone. So when he was visiting his brother all day Saturday, you know, he had no idea that people were trying to reach him until he got home and said he had just dozens of messages. But, but I mean, 
throughout the day, I, I was kind of gathering string on this. I had the story ready, and, and all of the former players that I talked with and a couple of the current players all said the exact same thing, you know, just about how they could go down to his office at any time if they were having trouble at home, if they were having trouble in a classroom, if they, you know, if, if they had any kind of issues at all, good or bad news to tell, Wayne Turner was one of the first people they, they went and talked to about it because he would listen to him and they said, you know, he, he never sugarcoated things. If you did something really good, he would be the first one to pat you on the back and praise you and tell you, tell you he was proud of you. And several of those kids said, you know, that was, that was something that meant a lot if you, if you earned his praise. But also, if you screwed up in, in school or, or you did something outside of school, um, he didn't sugarcoat that either. You know, he, he would be the one who would get on to him and tell him that's not the way to do it. And so that's, that's where the respect came from was just how open and honest he was with them, you know, whether it was good or bad. They knew he was real. He genuinely cares about every kid in that school um, and, and has a close relationship with the ones who played for him or, or wrestled for him. Um, you know, he, he also – Coach wrestling, and and those guys would absolutely run through a brick wall for for Wayne Turner. Um, but you know, several of the former players all said any success they've had as a parent um, on their job, as as a husband, as a man in general, they said a lot of it goes back to Wayne Turner and just the influence that he had on their lives. Of you know, he, he gave them somebody that that you you wanted to hear him say, I'm proud of you, and somebody that you didn't want to disappoint. Uh, as a kid, you know, that's, that's a big deal to have that kind of role model, and, and that's what he was for a lot of those kids. And, and you know, an, another uh, former player said there's no telling how much money out of his own pocket he's used to, to you know, take kids home after practice, after school, uh, make sure do you have something to eat when you get home. If you don't, stop it. You know, it might be McDonald's or Taco Bell or, or whatever, but would stop and make sure they had something to eat. You know, are your parents at home? Are they at work? Uh, who's there with you? You know, are, are you okay? Do you, I mean, just constantly checking on them. Uh, and so kids knew, you know, he cared about them. And that's, that's where all that respect comes from. And <clears throat> Jeremiah Batiste, you know, who was the Mr. Football receiver for them for a couple of years. And this is his first season, his freshman season at Miami of Ohio. And when I called Jeremiah and, and said, you know, where were you when you heard the, the news? And he said, I was in my in my dorm room doing homework. And he kind of laughed and he said, now that sounds nerdy. He said, but he said, that tells you the influence Coach uh, Coach T has, has had on my life. He said, I know that I have to get my grades in order if I'm going to play. And when I go home, he's going to ask me how my grades are. He said, so I'm, I'm constantly doing homework or, or getting tutoring to make sure my grades are good. And I thought that was just kind of amazing that he said, you know, it stopped him and said, that's the influence that he's had on my life. I was, I was doing homework because I knew when I do come home for the holidays or whatever, I want to make sure I can tell T that, that my grades are good. I know that he, he's wanting to coach again. And I know you kind of alluded to, you know, he, he might be an assistant coach. He might be a head coach. I think when we, when we look at this, if he was, was to be a head coach, what kind of things because uh, you probably know him better than, better than we do, what kind of things would he need at a program? Would it need to be an established program? Would it need to be a total rebound? I mean, what kind of things would, would that have to be? Because uh, you know, I'm just curious, you know, when someone has been coaching for that long, how does that really affect you when you've been in a school so long and then having to go to another school like that? I think more than established or not established, it would be for him, it would be more about the administration that he's going to be working with and, and working for. Um 
you know, he said several times he's he's learned a lesson about you know why he always wanted to be appreciative of the administrators he worked for who were supportive of him. You know, kind of hinting around that, that he didn't feel supported this time. So I think he would he would definitely do his homework and find out if it was a head coaching job. Uh, he could call around to find out what the administrators that he would be working for are like. Uh, I think that's more. He wouldn't shy away from, I mean, for goodness sake, before he came to Tyner, he was at Kirkman. And at the time when he took over Kirkman, Kirkman had the longest losing streak in the nation. And they ended the longest losing streak in the nation and actually were featured in, in Sports Illustrated for doing so uh, when Wayne Turner took over as head coach. So he does not shy away from, from you know, building a program up. And Tyner, when he came to Tyner, Tyner had never won a playoff game. They'd missed the playoffs the previous five years before he got there. So, you know, an established program is not something he would necessarily have to have. But I also think, uh, you know, that, that at his age, I, I don't know that he's, he's looking to have to, you know, build from the ground up. Uh, but I don't think that that would be a deal breaker. I think more so it's, it's the administrators that he would work for. But I really think uh, just a combination of a lot of things, I'll be surprised if he's not uh, opting to be an assistant coach somewhere. Stephen, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs. Uh, we just wrapped up round one. Any surprises for you in the in the first round of the playoffs? Um, I don't know if you know, no real stunners, no no shockers or anything like that. Um, I, I kind of thought Brainerd had a, had a good chance to knock off Smith County, just because the week before when when Brainerd lost to McMinn Central. They had seven starters that, that Tyrus Ward held out. Uh, a couple of them were banged up, but the majority of those were to get those kids' attention that they weren't doing what he thought they should be doing in class, and, and he let them know that, hey, if you're not getting your academics taken care of, I don't care who you are, I'm going to sit you. So he sat them in that game, and it came back and bit them. They lost to McMinn Central, and it cost them a, a, you know, getting to play at home in the first round. But I knew those guys were going to be back, felt like they had a good chance. Uh, especially with Kadarius Price back healthy and, and, and you know, in, in the backfield for them. So that one, I was a little surprised that Signal Mountain really put the fear in Upperman. Uh, you know, took them into overtime and, and nearly pulled off the upset there. Um, but, you know, outside of Walker Valley is kind of becoming the story of our area. You know, with, with Drew Akins and the job he's doing there, they, they were, you know, averaging close to 50 points a game to end the regular season and, and then to beat Powell, you know, a really good Powell team. For their first playoff win at, at home, that's that was impressive for Walker Valley. Uh, but I think most of them really went the way that we thought. You know, you could, you could make an argument for Chattanooga Christian going on the road again uh, to knock off Knox Grossley. They did it earlier this season, but you know, some people that was kind of such a back and forth game, and and, and uh, Knox Grace had, had some turnovers and things like that. So you think, okay, well, if they play a clean game, they're at home, they probably win. But CCS just went and just kind of punched them in the nose and took that took control of that game early on. Stephen Argus, thank you, sir. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks to Stephen Argus of the Chattanooga Times Free Press for being with us to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Wayne Turner stepping down again. Chandler, I, that's one of the more shocking things. I'm not shocked, kind of like I told Stephen, if you would have told me two, three months ago that, hey, this is probably going to be, you know, this will be Wayne Turner's last year at Tyner. I'd be like, okay, you know. He's he's accomplished enough. He's done enough. He's going to retire and uh, and go enjoy life for a while. Never would have thought that he would leave Tyner this way. So um, shocking, really, really shocking. 
you know, it, it is really, really shocking. And like I said at the top of this podcast, the thing about it is, is usually you don't have a situation where you have a coach and a team both looking for new places. Here's the thing. We, we've said this, we said this for the past however long we talked to Stephen Hargis. Whoever gets Wayne Turner, I mean, I think you almost have to get them, bump them up a seat in the playoffs. That's what the kind of difference he's going to bring to a program, whether he's the head coach or uh, an assistant coach there. I, I wonder I wonder what kind of, um, you know, I wonder what kind of places he could go. And, I, and I honestly, I think I'm a Steven on this. I think he'll end up being a, excuse me, I think he'll end up being an assistant coach. Um, when you talk about coaches that have kind of uh, gotten, you know, kind of had their, you know, places where they've had great success and all that, like we talk about, it's kind of very similar, I guess, not in the way it ended, but it's kind of similar to how, uh, to Ken Cockwood at Marion County a little bit. It's kind of, I keep coming up with the references back to him because he had a lot of success at Marion County for a while, ended up going to another school, and then all of a sudden, uh, later on, he started being a, uh, when he got into his older years, he started doing a lot of assistant coaching, eventually got back into head coaching uh, before eventually retiring. But, you know, I, here's the thing. When you talk about coaching, it's in your blood. And uh, there's a lot of jobs you can talk about retiring at early and this and that. Football coaches, they if, if they are a true football coach and they love to coach, they'll coach until, until you know, they'll coach until they're in a casket. I mean, that, that's that's how a lot of football coaches are in our, I mean, Everyone I talk to, they would probably do it and not even retire. I mean, that's just how it is. So, uh, you know, I, I could see him definitely coaching somewhere. My only thing is I want to know how long he's planning on coaching, you know, because, I mean, uh, you wonder if someone like him wants to retire or they want to continue to coach until they can't physically coach anymore. Well, wherever he uh, wherever he lands, somebody, you know, somebody's going to end up getting a good coach with, with wherever uh, Wayne, Turner, Wayne Turner lands. So wish him all the best because, again, he's done a lot. For a lot of kids, for a long time uh, at Tyner, so hate to see the way things went down for him. That's going to wrap it up for us this week here on SET and Preps. Don't forget, join us on Thursday, and Chandler and I will take a preview of Friday night's round two action in the TSSAA playoffs. We've got fourteen teams still standing. Heading into week two. Chandler, I'm looking forward to it. Me as well. Make plans to be with us. We'll see you on Thursday. Have a great week. Do you ever feel like your voice isn't heard when you're listening to a podcast? You want to yell, you want to scream, or you just want to tell us that we're doing a good job or maybe we might actually be right? Imagine that. Then go to anchor.fm. You can go on the app. You can go on the website. You can go right on your phone on the browser and you can record a voice message. That's right. You can let your voice be heard on the SETN Preps podcast. Just go to anchor.fm and go to our page, SETN Preps, and you can leave a voice message and tell us what you think.